Welcome to Chapter 2 of The Hiring Chronicles, our independent podcast that's dedicated to digging into the real stories in the world of TA. Although our paychecks will bear the Smart Recruiters logo, our views, opinions and the classic Devo moments that you will come to love, I promise, are completely unaffiliated with them. So speakers up, it's time to jump in. We hope that you enjoy this chapter just as much as we enjoyed recording it. And don't forget to subscribe. Sound checks. <laughs> we'll wait until these two stop. Just, you know, taking over. Oh, sorry. <laughs> anyway, welcome to yeah. Chris and Lindsay's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we can actually start that. That's actually a really good intro. So basically Green King are taking over today. <laughs> that's right. I, I think that's a good way to start, isn't it? I can't believe it. If you are joining us, welcome to the Hiring Chronicles. You've already heard our guests from Green King have joined us today. Who have we got our names? We have got Lindsay Stone and Chris Bailey. So two massive key players as part of the Green King HR transformation process. Massive. Massive. <laughs> Which we will hopefully find out a little bit more around your backgrounds and some of the things that they got into um, throughout the journey that's, as well. That's right. And if anybody's watched the trailer so far, they will know that actually the continuity of this is a little bit out of kilter. (laughs) (laughs) Well, first of all, one of our guests isn't recognisable. But secondly, they're in a different place, different location. (laughs) Different nail colour. Yeah, different (laughs) nail colour. So we apologise if you have watched the trailer and you're trying to figure out what's going on. But in terms of today's chapter, we thought it would be great to hear from Green King because you probably know them as a business. But what you might not know is the transformation that they've been through. So we've worked with them personally and we've got to know them for the best part of a year. But we were also part of a big project that they've still got ongoing. And we want to share with the audience how they went about it. What kind of strategies they put in place? Did they get a wide team involved? What goes into rolling out a new tech stack and really learn from the best? And also what went wrong? really happened yeah, what what mistakes happened yeah. so it's good to have you on the show guys welcome back welcome. <laughs> it's great to be back i think that the first time we recorded this it was about 40 degrees in the studio and yeah. we were all sweltering it was, it was about 40 so degrees outside as well, I think. yeah <laughs> and that was the first time kind of getting here so the journey was a bit crazy and ubers but hopefully a bit more smoother today yeah i hope it so yes. so Lindsay, let's start with you. Can you give the listeners, the viewers, a 30-second Lindsay Stone background as to who you are and how you came to Green King? 30 seconds? Green well, King. let's have we a minute. We are timing you Shall we have a minute? Give her a minute. <laughs> so um, I've been in recruitment for around 15 years, uh, traditional ex-agency route, and uh, I went into an organisation at first in Royal Mail, helping out with things like apprenticeships, recruitment, and starting to think about how we shaped like new graduate schemes. And I was really lucky that I went through my career getting a couple of breaks where you got to roll out new initiatives and programmes, and that's been a bit of a theme. So I went on to MS and I was able to help them with landing video interviews um, and also think about how we changed the process there how we recruited 
and and then it's a really funny story um i wanted i wanted to go to berlin because that's where my friend is and i couldn't get a job in berlin um because everyone wanted it recruitment and i had no experience there so i ended up in the netherlands i jumped <laughs> that's a different country Lynn. Yeah, <laughs> different country um and I, I went working for nato like different sector um leading their transformation there for their TA team. So when I arrived, it was like recruitment services and very much administrative and starting to figure out like the HR operating model and how talent acquisition shapes what they needed to recruit cybersecurity professionals. So that was, that was a really cool job. Um, so really you went, great. wait, hold on a second, hold on a second. <laughs> I knew that was night. coming. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> you, you, you've already failed the one minute task, but you went from MS to NATO. How on earth do you get from one of those roles to the next? Because surely NATO's like really intense to get a role there. And I know you probably can't talk too much about it, <laughs> but based on what you can say, like how difficult was that process? So um, I flew out uh, to Brussels um, after doing a video interview with them. So they use some really cool tech that's video interviewing to get the best out of recruiting from 29 nations. Just casually flying yeah. out to somewhere uh, to an interview, you know. <laughs> Lovely. Um, interesting fact, I was actually a few days pregnant at the time. Didn't know that at that point. Um, and the security clearance takes so long. I ended up having a baby whilst waiting for my security clearance to come through when Freya arrived. Um, <laughs> so we we ended up moving and into a completely different world. I thought I was going to go there to get the IT experience. Like I was so excited about yeah. working for NATO. Like, yeah. It's where the real cool stuff is, yeah. Um, what I got actually was uh, proper like international experience in recruiting and leading teams. Like it was hard work there to lead a team because... They're, they're driven by a lot of policies and processes that's fair, but it's hard work. So I think I went through like a four panel interview and like, oh, I was definitely sweating when I left that interview. <laughs> I would be. Did a presentation, got the job and then had to move countries with a 10 week old baby. So Easy. That was a bit wacky. That's, that that's an episode in itself, I, I think. I have like, so many questions. Yeah, just having kids anyway is hard enough, but yeah, wow. And then you've, you've ended up, at Green King. How's that transpired? So um, the contract at NATO was a three-year contract and two years in we'd completed the transformation and I, I could tell that I was missing customer environment like government just wasn't for me. Yeah, I love something that you can talk about frontline teams that's experience based. So I thought right I'm either going to go back into retail or I'm going to try something different and I landed a super job at PVH which is Tommy Hilfiger and Calvin Klein. I was their TA director for Europe um, and I worked there for two years and unfortunately COVID happened. Like me and my husband had a agreement. If you press the buzzer, we go home and he pressed the buzzer. He pressed it he first. Pressed it. And I was in the job that I loved. He pressed the buzzer. Oh, <laughs> awkward. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, like, did you just, that was it? Cause he pressed it. That was, that was yeah, almost that was the your, deal we had. that was the deal. He was really lonely. He was like, oh my gosh, nobody's flying out to see me anymore. Like we're, we're going home, Lindsay. So. Should we get the other side 
of the story maybe from Mr Stone mm. like there might have been some difficult conversations <laughs> <at home. laughs> I'm hoping that's not like a spoiler alert he does know that that was the reason doesn't he press the buzzer yeah yeah yeah. That, sorry. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's going to find out <laughs> he watches this yeah. <laughs> that is not what happened Lindsay. all um, because of him because yeah. he pressed the buzzer <laughs> why are you at Green King my husband forced it <laughs> <laughs> so that was a bit weird right like who goes looking for a job when they're in the job they love like that was really hard yeah that is really hard um so i was quite picky i was like i know i want to stay in customer sector it has to be something that challenges me like every role i've had some really meaty projects that i've delivered and um i think i don't think that it's because they land with me i think i'm attracted to companies that say this is what we need you to deliver this is something big it's complex it's new it's shiny what can you do so i needed something that would challenge me and Green King at first, I was like, oh, not sure. I didn't really feel like it was big enough. And then when I started talking to them and realized how huge we are as an organization, um, I was like, hold on, this doesn't make sense. Hold on, you've got like 1,600 pubs, 1,000 tenanted and leased pubs. We've got restaurants and hotels. I, it blows 30, my 30,000 employees, would, yeah. even more? Like, I, it's not my fun fact, so copyright to Vincent in the hotel team that said this on uh, uh, social media at some point. We've got more uh, f- more sites than KFCs, Pret, and McDonald's. I was going to say, I wanted <laughs> I to say McDonald's. Go and Google it. In the UK. Yes. In the UK. Oh, let's caveat no, that. In Go the UK. Wow, I still, though. Yeah, yeah that's like, still, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's like four or five McDonald's in the town that I live in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, McDonald's are blatantly coming for this show. In the town but yeah, you but even when you walk past the pub, though, you don't realise that it's you don't necessarily you don't. a Green King, do you? No. So I thought that was a bit of a pull That is a me. fun fact. I was like, how, how do I not know the size of this organisation? Like, clearly there wasn't a good brand or there wasn't an articulated brand that as a candidate I was going, I want to work there. Because if McDonald's had come knocking, I'd have been like, oh, I want to work there. I know what McDonald's is. Um, And then they had a really unusual structure. So it's uh, since COVID, they put a matrix structure in, didn't they? So we've got a number of divisions where the different resourcing teams sit out in those HR functions. And it makes it a bit complicated. I have a group hat on. They don't report to me, but I'm accountable for group strategy. And I thought, well, let's give it a try. Let's see if I can lead teams when they don't report into me. That's what we did. And I think one of your first hires was your 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 colleague and our <laughs> other guest. Is that right? Chris was one of one of the first hires. What what brought that about? Yeah. So I quite quickly noticed. I arrived to a like a, a plan on two extra headcount for employer branding and technology and two extra headcount over here. Like it wasn't really clearly defined on what we needed. And I realized if we were going to get the technology in place, I needed somebody that had a real specialism in what you see out there now as TA operations. And I've had it in three roles actually. So I, I got I inherited a role in NATO that had technology in the role. I thought it was a bit odd at first, but it was in the structure. And then I saw what it can do. Mm-hmm. At PVH, I put that role in. And then at Green King, I put that role in. And my brief to Chris when we interviewed was, I don't I don't want a recruiter. I don't want a project manager. I need somebody that can do technology and cut through like efficiencies of process and really see how we drive different approaches. Right. 
Enter Chris. Thank Enter you. Chris Bailey. Yeah. <laughs> so. Two stone later. Yes. <laughs> you two look incredible. Two stone lighter, actually. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> two stone lighter, yeah. Two stone lighter, yeah. yeah. that's true. You do look incredible since we last saw you. It's like just a different person. Thank you. You looked incredible beforehand. Well, yeah, like, you do. Awkward. Clearly not. <laughs> Sorry. Clearly not. Sorry, but you know, like, hard work pays off. So well, well done. Thank you. But who is who is Chris Bailey? Um, less international travel than Lindsay, <laughs> and to get to Green King, uh, much less. You would have got to Berlin. You've got IT and tech quite experience. Possibly. Quite possibly. You were the higher they tried. needed. So for me, I I've been in technology for twenty, 20 about twenty years. And I would say of the last, oh, what, 10, 12 years within recruitment tech or HR tech. And it's, I have worked as that kind of RPO, kind of doing that kind of recruitment roles, early days for kind of joining recruitment, but it's always been around kind of that technology side of it. Um, so it was things like National Grid and Elsevier in terms of the, the technology and kind of what we can what we can land with that. That then moved over to working with a lot more red tape within NHS and uh, again, rolling out kind of recruitment technology, looking at what they can bring in kind of internally. Um, and then kind of this was all very much as kind of consultant, kind of contracting, kind of up and down the country, got to the point where I don't want to do this anymore. We've got a kind of six-month-old son at home. And I'm thinking, let's 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 try and be a little bit more centred. Let's try and find something that doesn't involve up and down the country, doesn't involve multiple clients, different contracts on a monthly, weekly basis. So then I ended up going to Ocado. Join Ocado. And when I joined, it was very much around, can we look at centralising our recruitment operations? from a technology point of view, from a process point of view, um, from everything, uh, to the point that when I joined, they had three different ATS systems. Three? Yep. Um, why did they have three? They're, they're smaller than Green yeah. King, right? That's yeah. why I'm like, yeah. why? So they had, so they had uh, one that would do all of their technology recruitment, one that would do all of their non-technology but head office recruitment, um, and then they had a custom-built um, ATS, which would do all of their volume hires so they're wow. um, like warehouse operatives and drivers. But with that also meant that at the time they had three different career sites. So they would have the Ocado Technology Career Site, the what is what would have been like the Ocado Group or Ocado Careers website, um, and then Ocado.jobs. Which again, so it's three oh gosh, different this sites. Would give James like so it was like, but then that also meant then very similar to when you joined at Green King, it was divisional, divisional recruitment teams. You had heads, you had one recruitment team that would report into a HR director. You had another recruitment team that would report into the head of shared services. You had another recruitment team that would report into the head of HR for technology. Um, so very then, fragmented. Yeah, massively. So it was, it took me honestly about six to nine months to really kind of get under the skin to understand um, the whole concept around what they're trying to do. The initial pain points were felt in the in the volume piece because that was the bit that was probably costing the business at the time more money. So if you think of Ocado and how they make their money, it's being able to fulfil the order. So it's, the orders coming in was never a problem. Fulfilling the orders, having enough people to be able to pick the orders and deliver the orders, that is what was going to obviously cost the money and, dri and certainly drive up the revenue. So that was that immediate pain point that was coming in from the top. So, okay, what can we do with this team? And then how then can we learn from that to roll that out into the wider teams? 
we then kind of fast forward. I was there for oh, almost about four years um, and then got to the point where the reason I joined is because I wanted something central and we'd have to have the opportunity of being a bit closer to home. I end up working four days a week, 100 miles away from home, <laughs> being part of site setup in Erith, the theme, like which I is 160 miles away from home. And you're working away, yeah. but you didn't want Working to. in Andover, which is 140 miles away from home. So I'm like, this didn't quite pan out very well. <laughs> you're not very good at this, Chris. No, I'm not very good at this. Still far from it. So. Did you have a buzzer? Because you could have called that buzzer at that time. No, I, I didn't have a buzzer. No, I didn't. Um, and I should have had a buzzer. Let's hear about how Lindsay... Definitely. convinced you to yeah, to leave so all these great brands we fast forward you weren't looking were you no i wasn't looking so it was not looking at all and immediately i'm thinking hospitality is not the right sector to join <laughs> right after COVID. <laughs> it clearly can't be this company after shutting so many of their pubs cannot possibly have made a profit cannot possibly be cash rich can can, can must be a a a not disaster waiting to happen but thinking along those lines of actually is this going to offer me that job security i remember the headhunter saying to me like i'm not sure chris is in yeah don't i don't think he really (laughs) does want to come for an interview and i was like let's just get him on a call let's just have a chat it was that it was that kind of thought process kind of speaking speaking with at the time i was like there there was reservations um but then after speak again it was the same kind of story you speak to Lindsay and you speak to who's hrd at the time and again it was you just kind of fall in love with that whole process um, and maybe that's my problem. Maybe I fall in love too quickly. I don't know. Um, but I certainly did. How again. did you do it, Lindsay? Yeah. What are your secrets? <laughs> How so, did you get into Because you're, you're taking someone that's not really looking at all. Yeah. But you've always, you said, like, you've got your, I'm telling the headhunter, keep pushing, keep yeah. pushing. Yeah. Why? Like, what, what was it that made you want to keep pushing to get Chris, a conversation with Chris? So we had two hires that were really instrumental at the same time, Chris and James, who does talent attraction and employer branding. And for both of them, equally, the pitch, as I say, is completely different. And when I had a conversation with Chris, at first, we just had a chat about, we like, did. what did you like in your last role? Like, I talked to my team so much about, like, if, you, if you're not happy in work, if you're not mm-hmm. excited to get out of bed in the morning for work, you're in the wrong job, stop working. James Stop came from hospitality, for... didn't he? Yeah, yeah James, he'd kind so James, of got it. James knew hospitality. He'd just done several years at MB and came from MB yeah. to join Green King. But you I'm brand new to fresh. it. Brand new to hospitality. Never worked. worked in retail, but never worked in that hospitality sector. So that was that was the that was the decision maker for me. The decision maker wasn't do I join Green King? If Green King and what they'd pitched to me and what they explained to me, what the strategy is over the next kind of three to five years, was another sector. In a heartbeat, yes. The thought process was, do I join a hospitality company? And when we had our conversation, I think I leaned into the HR transformation. Mm -hmm. That was the bit that was the sales pitch. So even before my time, there was already a decision from a a broader strategy perspective at Green King that we were going to go through some cultural shifts from uh, people focus. And we were also going to look at the HR landscape, the technology and the experience of our, our people managers within the business. One component of that was obviously talent acquisition technology. And, and when, when I came into Green King, I was so surprised at like the amount of things that we would need to go after and knew that mm-hmm. if I positioned it right with Chris about here's the direction of travel, this is like a five-year transformation program, we're going to make a pitch to go first with talent acquisition and, and drop some of those, I think, like like 
I think for you, it was the bits that made you go, that really excites me because right. I can do that. Oh, yeah. really so was. we talked a lot about like how you get a good business case in place. How can we challenge the timeline? Because at first we were going to go at the end. We were going to mm -hmm. go in like 2026, 2027. And, and I was like, that can't happen. This recruitment team that's working here is like in a horrible situation where they were like, nobody's listening to us because of the transformation. So let's dig into that then, because we, we know the transformation that you're currently still in, that you're going through, but just give us a sense of the starting point. So you're talking about a five-year transformation. Yeah. Why? What what do you need to change at that point in time that, that needs to drive change all through your HR tech and all through your processes? So I think for us as an organisation... Um, we have what are classes like 1,600 mini businesses on their own. The pubs are like their own devolved setup. Mm -hmm. And the opportunity we have from a transformation perspective and the complexity is that we've got to get processes aligned. We've got to get the right experience set up for how and what they use because they will always go with the the place that's the easiest to use like they're busy they'll always the go to that path of least resistance but yeah. there's so much to go at it, again it's when you join green you see that it's that blank canvas so i think that five-year roadmap even five years is, is quite ambitious when you look at what's on that roadmap and what we need to achieve because of the scale of what of how it needs to be achieved and the scale of of kind of of, of where it needs to be rolled out to um and i think the way the way we've put that together um, whilst it is ambitious, it's definitely doable, but it's, it's five years for a reason. Because mm -hmm. if we decide, I said, oh yeah, we're going to do this in two years, everyone will be like, no, you're not. If anyone that's worked in that sector for five minutes would be like, no, you're not. Five years, um, yes. And it's we, interesting. We kind of added to the timeline because we went we, first. Yeah. So they're just starting to do HCM development, kickoff of mm -hmm. the wider transformation and HR ready, which is about like processes, yep. org structures, etc. But we took a lot of the investment from the transformation yeah. team to get the talent acquisition yeah. suite in it's, place. It's, it's when you dig deeper into Green King and you realise some of our current processes and, and what our current technology is like. Um, so for me, it's certainly coming from that geek side now and you look at the kind of the data that, that we hold at the moment, you then realise, actually, there's a six-month project just to cleanse that data to make sure what's moving across to a new system adds value. Otherwise, you're just doing dirty out, yeah. dirty in. Um, and it's not until you start unravelling some of those layers that you then, that you then find that. It's interesting, actually, because a lot of customers or companies that we all speak to, when we say this is like the typical timeline for an mm. implementation, they're like, that's really long. Like, can't you do it quicker? Yeah. But then when you oh, look at I the wider that. scale yeah. of things, it needs to be that long for the quality it of is. the delivery. Mm. Yeah. The, the no. biggest risk in any timeline is the business. And that's 100 yeah. percent what I didn't consider in the complexity of like the 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 general manager pub population. I think we originally thought we'd go live in January after well, we did. for experience. Huge, huge lessons learned in terms of the Smart Recruiters project. We kind of were looking at, okay, this this is the time scale from kind of A to B. Uh, and the, the full project, if, if kind of splitting it up, is it, it probably might end at E or, or, or F or something, but A to B, experienced highest. You then, as, as you then start the project, you then unravel that just experienced hires alone, which we are classing as salary paid workers, they okay. have one defined process of how they are recruited, one defined process sort sort of in terms of how they're onboarded and contracts are issued. Yep. In theory, you would think that would be quite straightforward. <laughs> you then on you then unravel the layers and you find out actually that's three different businesses. 
because you have got what we class as that kind of corporate head office approach and the way of recruiting, you've then got the pub-based um, uh, ways of recruiting across 1,600. And of course, that does need to be a different process. And, and it's not until you start unraveling you realise that. And then you've got what's our brewing and brands division, which is very much kind of our, our warehousing and our, and our bottling. And again, that is another different way of recruiting and another different kind of process. It's almost like a mini volume process, but because they're salaried, they're onboarded in the same way. Um, so when you unravel that, that you think, well, actually, just in theory, that could that that could actually add three times as much uh, work uh, involved, and it did. It, it kind of we had to split it then up into phases. So that project, instead of just one experienced hires, was split into let's do corporate, then let's do pubs, and then let's do brewing and brands. Was there any alignment across the three of them though? Because where yes. you're saying they're all, are you, is the end goal? Yeah, almost so, to bring them all together. Like, what's exactly, the exactly that? Yeah, I think is. you asked me before about like, what did we do? What did we yeah. set up with things? And Chris's role when I pitched him about the job was coming in to be like the the technical lead, mm-hmm. like yeah. rallying the troops. Are we in this together? And keep them keep them true to what we're trying to build. I had to do a bit of the like hearts and minds as well. And because they didn't report into me, we had to start at a base of well, what are we actually going after outside of technology? So we uh, came together in a resort community with all of the senior leaders in the talent mm-hmm. acquisition teams we went into a room for two days we co-created a strategy on how we attract select onboard and grow talent and we started to think about like where do we want to be like what's the vision in four years time for us what does good look like and I didn't just turn up and say this is how we're going to do it we did it together and then the bit that Chris spotted when when we looked at their voice in what we'd co-created for the strategy was there was, I think on all of them, there was technology oh, enabling technology it. Technology was the enabler on, on the So that was our driver. Yeah. On on the whole community, it yeah. was all listed as technology, yeah. right? It was holding them back so much. Yeah. But had they identified, like, they're specifying, like, technology is holding them back. Now, we know that you're overhauling quite a lot of technology, but did you have the discussion of well, do we go with like ATS or HRIS first? Like, Absolutely. Yeah. If so you that, had that discussion, that was, how how did you make the decision which way to go? So we we went out to market to look at uh, vendors across both. So we were trying to make sure we did best in breed and best in class. We wanted to be really specific around the requirements of we need to go early with this. Like there was a burning platform. We're not recruiting well and the pubs needed us to get a better, a better setup, better tech stack in place the conversation was was difficult. Like we had to go through a series of selection processes and prove out actually that for some of the uh, standalone talent acquisition suites that they gave us far more than we needed. Um, and and it would mean that it would strengthen what we have from a revenue perspective now. So I, I lean into all of that conversation was, what does it give the pubs? That was always the driver on the requirements. And I, I still, to this day, stand by that as our biggest USP against some of our competitors. Oh, um, because we're, we're not using just HRIS. We're using something that connects to a CRM. We're using something that connects to our career sites where we can be really agile. Mm-hmm. And like we've got our first seasonal campaign with a talent pool on our career site. Like this is amazing. <laughs> we, we wouldn't have had that if we'd have waited, gone with HRIS and been at the end. At 2026, 2027, whenever that would come. And did you did you make that decision kind of as a core team, or did you who did you bring in to kind of sway the IT? So that that was I think that was again I think very transformation in terms of how how we approached that. It wasn't 
a, a, a selection of his his HR and the recruitment team making that decision. Um, we had we had kind of program managers from transformation. We had IT involved. We yeah. had kind of key and stakeholders from finance, yeah. solution architects all together, all yeah, in yeah. this community, all together as yeah. part of this community. In the meeting, decided that we're in we're these meetings do. that were also as part of the, the the kind of vendor demos and the scoring. So they were all doing that. So they would have they would have a, a scoring and an approach based on maybe on their business area, and that's absolutely great that they do that. They would have a bit of scoring based on their recruitment knowledge, and that may only be as a hiring manager, but that's great that they do that. And then you'd have some that actually, you know, I've, I've been in HR, I've been in recruitment, and I've scored it like that. So then we could collectively make a really informed decision on what is the right approach. Is it, do we wait two, three years, or do we go now? Uh, and and we made that then as a, as a key program team. And me and Chris knew what we needed when we walked into that meeting. That meeting was tough because... Yeah. We, we got asked questions around, and remember the structure, so corporate reco- reporting to yep. me, the pubs recruiters didn't, right? Like oh, do we just go live with corporate then, Lindsay? And we were like... <laughs> oh, no, we, were like we don't do it at all. I've, I've Straight just, away, we don't do it at all. We were like, no. Yeah. Like, we've sat in a room and co-created a strategy. We've, we've, we've got these teams with us. We're, we're not just going to switch it on for corporate. Yeah. We could have done. We could have yeah. said yes. Lots yeah. of other oh, companies done. have done that. Yeah. But we went, You no, and I looked at everything. each other and we just said... Neither of us are comfortable going to our pub recruitment teams and say, sorry, you're not getting the new technology that this team is getting. So we were like, it's all The kickoff would have been massive. Yeah, oh, it's I all or nothing. Know. But it, it also awesome. must have been, like, for me, if I was in a meeting and I'm sharing that meeting and I'm a recruiter and I've got you as IT sat there, it would drive me mental, the questions that IT would ask in a vendor presentation. You'd be like, why is that important to my recruitment project? Did, yeah. did that happen? Was that a thing? You tell us. You were on those days. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, don't it have it on Is that a leading question? The moment <laughs> is, <them> <laughs> I'm sure it is. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I won't, I won't lie. I uh, spoke to my boss at the time and said, I'm getting a little bit frustrated that people that aren't functional experts are giving an opinion on something they don't yep. understand like i can't go and give an opinion on it or other areas of the business like help help me out and i said to my boss help me out so that i get the right the right messaging and actually um my boss is really good at reminding me that i don't have to do things on my own sometimes i think this is all on mm-hmm. Lindsay, like like crystal joke all roads lead to Lindsay, and that makes me feel a bit of pressure sometimes and she was like go and have a chat to them outside of the meetings. Like she always has to be like invest in your relationships. And that was the difference. Like some of the people that may have been the, I don't understand it or saying things that don't make sense. I had to kind of be a bit of a politician and go and like win them round. And how did you do that though? Like what kind of conversations were you almost just say, like explaining the benefits, explaining the impact of if we don't do this with with a core Explaining recruitment. Yeah, because yeah, there are so many conversations that we have. You do get IT join and IT are like, no, we need to go with our, you know, HRIS system. Yeah. And then you get the recruiters like, but we want something that's IT good for us. Something something that solution yeah. that's nice and simple. It is. And I think that's why we send, that's why Lindsay has those conversations. Because if it's me, it would just be back off. It doesn't involve you. <laughs> <laughs> but you need that as well. Yeah, we, we had to do a little bit of myth busting yeah. around our current product and like what, what actually is great looking like out there and and that sometimes just meant having a conversation like oh what do you see what worries mm-hmm. you and and 
I am always the person that will jump in and sell something and be able to say why we do it. For a long time in in that series of meetings, I had to sit and listen and listen when I didn't like what they were saying <laughs> until I can figure out actually what 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 is the the route in for me to get get them on board. And I I, I sometimes wonder if actually our, our secret was we we put together a really good um, business case for the decision on go first. But I sometimes wonder if it was our message on no, we don't do it for corporate because we were really clear on the broad business benefits. Yeah. Okay. And I, I think in that room, that probably resonated that this isn't Lindsay and Chris's agenda, because if it was, we'd have said, just put it in for corporate. Yeah, we'd have said, yeah, go on, Screw and then, the and then we'll, we'll try and, and weave we it in somewhere else yeah. later. But no, far from it. I think, I think I'm quite fortunate where I've been on, on kind of both sides of the fence in meetings like that. So I kind of do get to see sometimes, not always, but sometimes kind of where the IT um, kind of expertise is coming from in those calls or where the solution architect is coming from and some of the questions that they're asking. So I kind of understand, well, that's what it, that's where it adds value to them to start talking about the security side of it and to start talking about kind of the data protection. Well, is that the type of conversation? You're good at that, cool? actually. You're good but at like, talking that their that's world. That's what it means yeah. for them. That That's what's important to them. That's what they need to know. So do you know what? If they just need to be heard and, and understand okay that ticks that box i'm quite happy i can move on to the next one and then when i was speaking to some of those certainly with the solution architect yes that's what he was in, in that's what was important to him he needed to know that yes it ticks that box because in 12 months time i'm not going to have a problem or someone kind of ringing me or, or kind of virtually knocking on my door saying you've agreed as part of this program team to put this system in but they haven't met our deep IA kind of record so it's I get that he wants to know that early on because then he can turn around and say, great, it meets my needs. Yeah. I, I don't mm. know if it meets yours, but you're the expert to find out if it meets your needs. So maybe it's more of just bringing in the IT's requirement because yeah. if you're, yeah, if we were talking about IT, they've got their requirements of like integration. Yes, so of course Is it are. secure and yeah. all of that kind of stuff. Like, like it's more verification process. Yeah. All of that is more focusing to their yep. world rather than like dedicated sessions yep. to yeah. their world rather than. But other businesses don't have what Lindsay has. Like this might be a bit derogatory, but Chris is almost a cog, but not cog. Oh, I said with the G. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> You're going to get us cancelled before we've even started. Uh, the, the subtitles are going to have a field day on that. But like so many TA leaders or heads of recruitment run these projects, then they bring in IT. There's such a disconnect, but it's almost like you've leveraged Chris as a go-between between recruitment, IT, uniting it all together, supporting you with the community. Yeah. Other people don't do that. Like they really no. don't do it and their projects get canned. And, and they it probably is the don't have the resource that out. we had around it. Like it's it's not just Chris in this this project. Like we were super spoiled because this is part of the HR transformation. So we had a program manager, a project mm -hmm. manager, a business analyst, a comms and change lead, uh, implementation SME, and then all the SMEs that are across the business. Like this was like the biggest type yeah. of investment of resource I've ever seen. But what we got from it, the uniqueness is. Chris's superpower is understanding the tech overlaying a recruitment landscape. And then we had um, somebody that we brought into the comms and change role, which was Steph, who used to be an IT recruiter in our team. And that really helped bringing somebody into the team. I've put it on the lessons learned actually for next week, bringing somebody in in a change and comms role that has some type of functional knowledge and understanding Whilst it's been tough for us to navigate how we get things out to the business, you're you're on a starting point. You are massively. Yeah, it's you easier. Are. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I think you just you just 
get it, don't you? you do. If you've got, if you've been in the TA or the recruitment world, yep. you tend to just kind of get the pains and you get the the messaging that needs to go out. I think. Yeah. You do get it, but I think convincing some of the senior execs as well is another level. Like the business impact, it people don't always look at an ATS implementation, think, "Oh, what's that going to deliver to Green King." Like, they don't normally understand it. No, like, no, I hate, they I hate to patronise, but at, at board level, they don't normally understand yeah. what it really unlocks. Like people is the biggest driving force behind your business. If you're not recruiting with the right technology, you're just not going to drive your revenues up. And that's that's where we had to get the hook with the board, isn't it? We had we had two uh, pre-reads for the um, resourcing strategy that we served them up. One was a really old one, the Virgin Media case study on uh, like impact on revenue, yep. which it always is really mm-hmm. good in for the for the board. And then the second was uh, a paper that I think it was out with uh, Deloitte that did a direct correlation to how mature your team in TA and your technology is it'll have like a 20% accelerator on your revenues and sometimes people just think we're filling jobs like how many times do we hear we're just filling jobs yep. yeah. yeah undervaluing so, TA so, so we had another guest I can't remember whether it was David Brammer or Dominic Joyce but one of them said TA is one of the only divisions that other people think they can do as well. Like they oh, can no, just every, run Everyone's it. a recruitment expert. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everybody. Everybody's yeah. a recruitment expert. Everyone. Oh, I'm a, I, do you know what? In my job, I hire 30 <laughs> people a month and, and they just think they're a recruitment expert. And everyone knows um, that, oh, if you put an advert in the paper, you'll get 100 applications. It's kind of going back from kind of 20, 30 years ago. And everyone thinks that they can do it. That they can do it. They can. And I think, and touching on what you were saying there around the, getting that exact buy-in, I think, for me at Green King, it was like a breath of fresh air kind of coming into a setup that was like that because there were huge lessons learned for me at a previous company. Um, and I would happily say it's kind of at the, at the works was that setup wasn't there. Now, it wasn't there because the team isn't as big. Um, it was in the middle of COVID. There was um, obviously all stores were shut. So the kind of in terms of the budget side of it, of course, the, there was a number of kind of monetary reasons uh, as to why that kind of headcount wasn't going to be there and trying to roll this out kind of went or trying to implement a, a TA solution whilst in the middle of COVID whilst all stores are shut is, is one thing. That sounds um, like lots of fun. It, no, it's not <laughs> absolutely yeah. far from it. And way too many mistakes happened as a result. But that's that comes down to, and it's things that I've said to Lindsay before in terms of other projects that we try and land, mini projects, is you've got one person trying to be too many people. If you if you've got somebody who's that this is you give them a forty hour working week full time job, making something that they are head of learning and development, and then you say I want you to go and roll out this whole new strategy on how we're going to deliver learning at Green King. Completely making this up, but I want you to go and deliver this. So you've got to be a project lead. You've got to be an SME. You've got to then maybe be a bit of a business analyst. You've definitely got to do change and comms and how you communicate that to the business. You've got to do all of that as well as your 40-hour job that we pay you for and we've employed you for. Yeah, people don't realise that. And they that. don't realise that. And when there's no kind of centralised structure behind that, that is when projects will fail. And that was probably the biggest learning curve. You're that right with that, you know, because what we had in our favour was time. Yeah. So I think for for people that don't have the luxury of a transformation team and a broader HR programme, like 
put your effort into your timeline of how you're developing your strategy, how you're building your business case, who do you need to get signing things off before you're even at a sign-off point. And who would you go to there, Lindsay? Who would you go to for the sign-off before you go for sign-off? So my top two are always the chief people people officer. Couldn't even say that. (laughs) Um, And uh, finance. Like, if you can't get finance on board, when you go to the change, whatever it is, there'll be a change board or a committer. Uh, To a certain extent, you need IT there as well. But ultimately, you've got the person who's holding the purse strings and you've got the person that's holding like the people strategy experience and how it feels and like our employer And it's good. And at that that exact level, we have, we kind of have those pre-read sessions with the the chief people officer and with finance. So they kind of, they never kind of go to those meetings not knowing what to expect. They've probably, they they have been through it once or maybe even twice before. And then you know then that they're on side. And that, so that approach and how, and how that is handled at Green King, again, it, it kind of, it all kind of cements and, and kind of just works so much better. And, and when you guys are saying pre-reads, you're saying that you're almost taking the execs or the mm. people in those meetings before the yeah. actual meeting. So yeah. like you yeah. say, they know, yeah. they kind of know what's coming. So you don't even need to really go oh, into They They exactly probably that. ripped the business case to bits and yeah. told us what isn't missing before when we're even in that meeting. Yeah. Like, And it's not from a bad place. It's from a great place. Yeah. Like we have a really supportive board that wanted to make sure we landed this, this transformation. Which is great. Yeah, yeah, not everyone yeah. has that. Yeah. And we're the start of the HR transformation. So our chief people officer was really invested in, let's do this right. Yeah. So um, giving the time for people to feel like they've got input, to critique, like share share bits of info where you've not connected it to broader strategies will help you. And And what we got from the board was actually a big push for them to say, well, what does this mean to the Green King business strategy? Like, where does it sit? What does it give mm-hmm. us? And what did you say there? We, what, what does it bring to Green King in terms of the business strategy? So we have a clear directive into um, being able to stand out as an employer of choice. Everyone says it, right? That's what everyone's <laughs> going for. Yeah. So that wasn't our main strap line. Our main strap line was customer first. Our biggest lead in is candidate as a customer. And I stand by it now. I still really believe that if we can shave off a couple of days in our hourly paid roles, we've done some cool calculations. We think there's like a 4 million revenue growth opportunity there. That's the stuff they want to know. That's crazy. They They don't care about the... The stuff that I want to talk about. Oh, it's got really good CRM and you can put <laughs> talent ball in it. They're like, oh, why not? Yeah. Come on. Some do. I do remember going to the, the exec board, kind of the, the, the final exec board, and um, the, the the marketing representation was said straight away is, oh, this is great. How can we leverage this in in terms of putting some kind of marketing campaign toward the candidates that apply oh, to say actually, it's their world they're, they're more visionary creators. So, yeah. so that, that was the first thing they thought of. So it was a yes, but how can we do this? And we're like one step at a time. <laughs> okay, I'm down. So customer first was a big one, and the second is around our culture transformation. So Green King have been going through a journey of shifting from being very financial led, which is quite contradictory to what I just said, yep. to being people focused. Um, and thinking about how we drive like everyday inclusion. So we really leaned into, okay, this is going to help unlock some of your barriers for how we hire diverse talent, how we make sure we've got enough actual diverse talent in the funnel. Like 
we couldn't even see any of this before. So the, the board have got a, an IND uh, strategy in place that we couldn't help before. No. We, we couldn't be instrumental in it because we didn't have the right processes and tech stack. So tying it to customer first, tying it to the, the IND agenda and being really clear on, actually, this, this makes sense from a financial perspective. Our investment and where, where we already are on some of the benefits realisation was, was a no-brainer. And how do you then go to, so like you've identified, you've got your business case, you've identified those kind of key successes that you want to get, but how do you then go and find the right vendor for that? So you've got all of these boxes that you need oh. to tick. So where do you, like, do, you do you start <laughs> with a, so. Yeah. So <laughs> a question. I, I hadn't heard of uh, smart recruiters at all before we went through this process. Um, one of my close friends uses it and uh, maybe I ignore him when he talks to me about it but um, I didn't know like it's not your other... husband is it <laughs> no <laughs> uh, lovely, but yeah, probably, probably you'll say he does feel like uh, I ignore him um, I reached out to IT actually so this is a weird connection on how we use the teams around us IT have some great um, uh insights platforms that they use and one of them is uh, Gartner and it brings up like uh, the different progressive um, technology a bit like the Fosway grid yep. shows you like where the right technology is um, also compares it to HRIS and we basically like I wrote down a list where I thought we'd go and then we looked at the top right and we said these are all the ones we should bring in mm -hmm. and I think we had about 10 it was quite big yeah. the it, long list was so yeah. you start with 10, you bring them in into a pretty extensive mm. process because obviously we were a part of this. It was very thorough. There was a lot of data. There was a lot of, we want to see this, this, and this. You don't have to big us up. Obviously, we, we were successful. But what kind of turns you off about a vendor that pitches their uh, solution to Green King? Anything that's just basic and vanilla. Yeah. Like If you're telling me what anyone else would hear... It's not gonna no, fly. Not. Like, when you say basic and vanilla, things that are just mm. like the standard star things it that is. aren't customized. It green is. King. It's, it is. it's that. So it's the ones that oh, we 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 we've got X number of clients in the same sector as you, so we know how your business works. No, you don't. Trust me. We work here, Chris. I and we don't know how our own business works. So come on, if you if you oh. do, after spending five minutes researching us, and because you work with other clients in the same sector, please enlighten us. It's ama <laughs> it's amazing though, because there's so many people that do believe that because we've got a thousand people in hospitality, we're good at it. Yeah. But actually, the reality oh. is, it's a load of nonsense. Because you could have a thousand really angry people that have made <laughs> a mistake, and they're waiting for the contract to die down, but. People are still approaching these projects and mm -hmm. still going in, right, I want to know businesses of our size, which is fair enough, but our industry, and it's like, well, every business in hospitality is slightly different. And it's one size fits so. all then, isn't it? Exactly. So when I say vanilla, I don't want to just see like, what's your core product that yep. fits us into the same space as everyone else? Yep. What what we did is we, and you'll remember it, we sent some use cases. So we, we had a really big grid that we were scoring behind on requirements, design principles. Was that built out of the community, what they'd asked for as well? How, it, how had you constructed those scenarios? It was scenarios? built with the transformation team with input from, right. from the community. So the design principles, principles are not ours we don't own them that's the design principles for um for the whole of the hr transformation so one of them is based on user experience um one of them is based on like data capture and how it we is, use yeah. data 
um, the functionality was based on the community and the use cases came from then. Like, let's, let's give some really tough use cases of we recruit this many apprenticeships per year mm-hmm. and in multi-geographic locations or we have 1,600 general managers who are basically recruiters and will do what you want, where they want. Like, like We had to give a bit of a who are we and what are our problems. And let the vendors build that into their yeah. solution yeah. and we had to be quite honest because um because of our hris transformation we're, where we will land will be phenomenal but we're not there yet so no, we don't not. have the plugins that yeah. you might and there is a, have to there's an HRIS. element of, 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 of expecting and uh, and accepting that some vendors will make some assumptions and that's fine because yeah. you, you you are probably going to as a, as a vendor come in and, and assume that yes you're going to have that type of connector into hms because seven out of your 10 clients do and that's fine. We can kind of work around that. Um, and so, and it's kind of accepting that, that there is there is kind of going to be that element to it. So I think we're probably giving a recommendation there mm. on like, if you're going to get your vendors onto calls, like think about proper use cases, like yes, yeah. detail all your requirements, but give, give them the opportunity to really understand what's unique yeah. about yeah. you and your organisation. Yeah. Yeah. But I think also giving, the, giving them the understanding of your organisation and the kind of the use cases, but also a little bit of flexibility to then for the vendors to present in the way that they want to. Remember there yeah. was use cases yeah. that you guys gave and actually one of them we were like, we're not going to focus too much time on that because we don't, we didn't necessarily want to propose it in that way or whatever. So, but you guys were very welcoming to that. So I think it's giving the use cases and the information, but allowing the space it is, for but them it's, to. It's still meeting that, that basic yeah, requirement that, that we're looking for. Now, so we're, yeah. we're kind of, you're meeting the requirement and you're actually delivering in terms of, well, this is what they're asking. Can this tool deliver? And you're still doing that. You're still, you're still kind of ticking those boxes and meeting that requirement that's needed. For for me, thinking about what people could take away from this episode and and your process, one of the differences about your team was the openness to work with the vendor and not hide information. Mm-hmm. So many companies we speak to don't give us the full story, and it's almost like Why oh, would they not? Then, then don't, exactly. then don't expect a good pitch. Don't expect a pitch of a tool that's going to work for you. But the right business case as well. Yeah. Like, how can you articulate what smart recruiters can bring to a business unless you let that company in mm-hmm. to understand Green King? And yeah. I think that's yeah. well, that for me was the synergy between Green King and smart recruiters was that partnership approach once you've gone through and vetted out some of the other vendors you're really transparent about hey we need you to show us this Mm. bring that to life and let's let's work on that so that that was good just moving the conversation on a a little bit because conscious of of time you talk about lessons learned and you've got a list Mm -hmm. you're sharing next Mm -hmm. week can we get some insight yeah yeah definitely specifically to this project about your lessons learned so we are pulling together all of the project team next week. We're doing a proper next lessons, Wednesday. lessons learned meeting. We were going to do it earlier and we decided to wait for volume to roll out. So I think for me, my big lessons learned are the voice of the business. That's my biggest one around uh, in a, com- if you, if you're in a complex organization that's similar size to what Green King is, you can't really pin that on one, one person. You, you need to get a bit of confidence mm-hmm. through either listening groups or testing rounds and having some real accountability of a process owner to be in the meetings and show up. And a lot of what happened for us, because the, the pubs world are so busy, is it, it fell to the HR 
um, like directorships, so the people that were the process owners. And I remember on our go, no go for volume Hungry Horse, I think you were on holiday that day, actually. Um, sorry, Hungry Horse is one of the brands. Uh, that was <laughs> we got the first, that, that, was the first, that was the first phase. And, and like, we've done all this stuff. We've done all this. We're ready. We've done, everything's green. We've, we've done the prep. We're, we've done the cutover. And then it was, well, what do the business say? Are they ready? Like, they're the ones that need to take this. And we were like, well, and I think we, yeah, we, they're ready. Yeah. We're being told they're ready. Yeah. But it was all like, it was top down via, via. And not bottom up. It was top down, not bottom up. I think a huge so lesson a, learned is let's go bottom up. Definitely. Better okay. voice of the customer, yeah. like, and a route through. Yeah. To do a bit of myth busting, actually, because sometimes that can cause chaos when actually everything was all right. And we were a go, but <laughs> no, we didn't, from, from, didn't know what From we a didn't project, know. putting the project kind of hat back on, um, that wasn't through the art of trying. I think we could have challenged better when we yeah. wanted to get out to do those kind of focus groups and those community sessions to go bottom up. Yeah. So, so it was, it was that challenge. No pubs are very busy at the time. And yes, there were, but okay, we could challenge a little bit more here. Yeah. And then my second, um, is data. I thought we had nailed making our baseline surveys, creating our own mm-hmm. data. Like I would show off about this. Like, yeah, we went and made our own data. It's great. But all of a sudden we've rolled out hourly paid team member recruitment and I'm not really clear on what we feel is a good adoption target because we've not invested enough time in, well, the investment we've put in means that we need this many pubs using it by this date. We focus too much on, like, how will it give them time back? How how will it mean that they get the right candidates? How does it increase diversity? Which is fair. Yeah, so we put a lo- load of data yep. points in. But I, th- I think... If, if you can do anything, put an adoption target in. And the reason I think you need it in your business case is because the, the board, who will always support you on it, if it's in a business case, that's how you hold the business accountable. Because ultimately we can't force mm-hmm. them to use the technology. Okay, right? that's true. I think for me, lessons learned is, I think the, the two standouts for me are probably personnel focused or kind of team team member type of focused on the project. Um, uh, and one is is ensuring that your kind of key project team are immersed into the company. So they kind of understand. So they're not coming into it and it's not just at that level. They're not heavily reliant on or taking the word as what the SMEs are saying is, is exactly gospel. So actually do I have, be immersed into that world a little bit for I'll have time to be immersed into that world of Green King before. So they can like that, say their own exactly, thoughts. And, and understand okay. it. So they can say their own thoughts. They can understand what people are saying and, and, and kind of move forward with that and, and say actually what you're saying, yes, that is true because I've seen that, I've believed that and, and, and witnessed that. Or they can challenge and say, well, actually, no, I witnessed something different. Is, is that right? We didn't have that at that type of level. So yeah, it's very much come, kind of SME level. It would come level. to me in discussion. It would. So I'd, I'd come to you thinking, well, I don't know yeah. the answer to this one because I've only been here kind of That's three months. So, or I'd go to the SMEs and I'd have to just, what they would say to me, I'd have to believe. And, so, and I'm not saying that they, 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 they weren't telling the truth, of course, but it was only one voice because it was the SME early days on the project before we could have that validation. So then when you'd go to the business to say, we're looking to validate this, it's, well, actually, no, it's not right. That, that what what You've got such a small kind of cohort of area that may do like that, that, that may do it this way, but everything else is... is so your handoff points way. then, so how we onboard the project team. The second one okay. for me, something that I've thought about quite heavily this week, purely because we've got the lessons learned next week, and that is a, a member of the project team that I think was missing or overlooked. Ooh. 
interesting. Oh, and that was Lindsay. This is exclusive. This is exclusive. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I hadn't saved this just for this for this meeting. <laughs> no, you can say that you did. No, no, no. I can say world exclusive. World exclusive. I've saved it. So the head of needs to butt out more because they did my head in. No, no, no. Yeah, these little like what 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 did you call them? Idea 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 bombs. Yeah, they're not paying the for every ten million. There's one that's good. There is. Yeah, I'm close to ten million. Yeah, it is. And there was there was ten million. No, there was. Chris, who was missing? I can't wait any longer. So for me, it would be some form of data analysis on the, on the project oh, whether it be part-time really so, so it's like, bit, like a part-time yeah. like data analysis on there so not just for the benchmarking data but for everything yeah. so i on the project team as a whole um have, have got some great skills fantastic skill sets and i think everybody will turn around and say and and say where their areas of weaknesses are on that project and without kind of blowing my own trumpet everyone's weakness apart from me would probably be excel and BI dashboards. And I, data I can and do how that. To get and the data out. That, yeah. that is one of my skill sets. Yeah. However, my full time job has also been implementing this, working with the SMEs, understanding kind of what's needed. Yeah. I haven't had the physical time to be able to then go and produce that kind of data analysis. Where if we had that skill set on the team, and it and might Chris, not have been should, a full time. Should role. that have been in the business analyst role though? That we probably didn't. We had a Maybe. Part, we had a quarter of time. We with a did, business analyst. but is that, that I don't know if that skill set was there uh, in okay. that role. That's what I mean. So everyone has yeah. got some great skills to the team, and everyone is openly admits that where they they don't have the skills, and and that's fine. It's, it's of course they do, and I think we probably needed somebody, and it may only have had to have been ten hours a week on that project that were yeah. dedicated to that. That was just all about producing that data analysis for us. Yeah, that's fair. I agree. It's a really good one. Okay. Anything else, Lindsay, that then. you... I know, I was, I was worried about who you'd left out. No. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't so down, so... So overall, you, you would say that a lot goes into it, but you need a community around you. You need that that sort of forward planning to almost pitch the idea before you pitch the idea and have people pick apart the plan yeah. before you launch it. And I know it's really overwhelming, and this is probably my final piece of advice, but don't just go after the technology. Because our other biggest lesson mm. is we probably not put enough into our selection practices and we're seeing now that we should have done something different there in in the build to get ready for how we select talent. So if if you've got the ability to have multi work streams in your resourcing strategy, think about what your important ones are and think about what, what really get enabled by by your tech. And what are those important ones for you? For us, we had, so technology was the main work stream. Then we had inclusive hiring and we had talent attraction. So if you think about the fact that everyone just thinks we fill jobs, the reality is that there's a whole other work area now in the talent acquisition space that do uh, recruitment marketing, targeting, campaign and talent sourcing. We had a big track on that because the basics had to Mm -hmm. be in. And because we put the basics in in parallel when we switched the tech on, James wasn't I was like yep. at last I can do things yep. that I need to be able to do because <laughs> we we we'd already done the let's think about what's yep. foundational in talent attraction okay well then that moves us on to the next but then it's like those those kind of selection processes yeah and and kind of how you we get from one. new applicant to to interview and then from interview to offered and hired and everything in between and what are those selection what's that selection criteria and selection tools if I have to, I have to ask this question. Here it comes. You know that the podcast is coming to the end. When you ask this question. this question's coming. So 
And you guys, you've already got an advantage of this question. I'd forgotten about this question forgot, as well. I forgot what <laughs> yeah, I just remembered what it is. <laughs> this, is this is what we should have prepared for on the train here. This is, you could have ex- prepared your exclusive answer. I could have done. This is why I should have watched the first one. <laughs> so if you had a magic wand, you could cast it. And it could be if you were going back through your HR transformation process or something for you to move forward with, you could cast one wish to have something new, change something. What would each of you have? Oh, so I think- Data done the project. <laughs> yeah, done. <laughs> so I would say I'd have a connector to a HRIS and furls yeah. in Green King, because yeah. I think that that would solve a heck of a lot. Just in the world of- talent acquisition um i i really get frustrated with the inability for us to hire people and know where they where they're going next like yeah. it really frustrates me everyone talks about careers and talent management and i know there's tech out there that can do it but there's no way right now for us to know that i hire chris today and he's going to go and be a i don't know technical superstar data analyst he's going to be a data analyst (laughs) also it's like the the skills that that person's have to then progress them on for their future you hire people leave then you replace them like if Mm -hmm. we could figure out well instead of them leaving where do we think is the best place for them and they don't actually know themselves then we'll get better attention. I find that really Probably interesting. I'm doing myself out of a job if that fixes, though. It's very interesting, <laughs> Lindsay, because you know how to hook people in. And I would almost argue that it's the role of somebody else to retain that hook. So you could yeah. maybe teach your business a trick or two about what it was that hooked Chris in and how you keep that hook slightly in. And oh. so many businesses don't retain it. Yeah, yeah. They're probably quite just transactional with interview process and, mm-hmm. and then there's, there's you would get sat be, in a seat like, and they a, forget about them a little bit maybe. As a pub manager, and we've kind mm. of mentioned it throughout this episode, people are so busy. As a manager of a pub, I've got to do you this, are. this and this. It might mm. be December, it's going to be so busy. All I yeah. want to do is get people in and have interviews. Yeah. And, and then when they're in, all you want to do is make sure that they're there on time, they're yeah. doing this. So it's it'd be really hard, I reckon, to... But the enterprise businesses look at something like Lindsay said and right think, oh, I need technology to sort that out. Mm-hmm. You can't you exactly. can't retain people without the right people yeah. as well. Yeah, and you just think, oh, the tech will have a talent You're right. marketplace. It's a behavioural thing. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. yeah. Exactly. So for me, it would be, I think it would be, it would definitely be looking at the 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 selection process around our our whole onboarding piece or our pre boarding. Maybe I probably should say that. So it's kind of in that stage just before they've joined, maybe even kind of after they've joined, it's certainly in pub world and how we could kind of factor that and use the technology better for that. So it's something that we're kind of trying to look at kind of after the event. But I think if we'd have touched on that earlier and brought that into the project, I think that would have been a huge enabler and a huge hook for our pubs to, to kind of use that even more and, and drive that adoption even more. Okay. Well, we're out of time, Ames. We've we've done it. We've got them in again. We've got them in. <laughs> we've smashed it, I think. So you're in two months? <laughs> yeah. Or it's going to be a mashup. <laughs> podcast mashup. Yeah. No, it's, it's been great. And it's so, I think, the one of the things that I th- will take away from this conversation and the other conversations that we've had with you guys is just how you just build such a, a great community internally, externally with the vendors and how we really felt, even when we were going on the journey with them, we felt, with you on it and I just think it's just so refreshing to hear how you're bringing other people's thoughts and opinions and onto the journey rather than right this is the system we're going with this is how you're going to implement it and this is when it's going to be live Mm -hmm. it's just 
a different perspective. I've already got that one if we did that. Definitely. (laughs) There's a lot, a lot of people can take about building, building the business case. So hopefully they, they, got some insight from this i think you guys would both be open to being approached Absolutely. to discuss it 100%. and the involvement yeah. what it takes so but we we're really thankful for having you guys on so thank you it's been thank really fun thank you. Thanks. Thanks. No, it has been for lots of fun thank you <laughs>